0: This is the Daily Signal podcast for Monday, October 9th. I'm Virginia Allen. Erin Boggs was just 16 when she learned that she was pregnant. Some people around her encouraged her to parent the child, others to abort. But she ultimately made the choice to place her son for adoption. And about 23 years after she made that decision, Erin Boggs met her son, Jordan Hamilton, for the first time. Now, she, Jordan, and his mother, Jeannie Hamilton, have begun sharing their family's story. Adoption changed all of their lives forever. And they're sharing that story on the show today and encouraging others who might be facing unplanned pregnancies, why adoption is such a powerful choice. Stay tuned for our conversation after this.
1: Hi, I'm Giancarlo Canaparo. And I'm Zach Smith. And we host SCOTUS 101. It's a podcast where you'll get a breakdown of top cases in the highest court in the land. Hear from some of the greatest legal minds. And of course, get a healthy dose of Supreme Court trivia. Want to listen? Find us wherever you get your podcasts or
0: just head to heritage.org slash podcasts.
2: Case
3: is submitted.
0: Strong families are the foundation of a flourishing community and a flourishing society as a whole. And that's why I am so excited to welcome a beautiful family to the show today. Joining us is Aaron Boggs, Jordan Hamilton, and Jeannie Hamilton. They are a family knit together through the power of adoption. So thank you guys so much for being with us today. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. (laughs) Well, I I saw a video sharing your story. A friend of mine told me your story. And then I, I found this video from a gala. And you all talked a little bit about just just the power of adoption and how that has played an amazing role in all of your lives. So I'm so excited to get into the conversation today and let you all really share just personally how how this journey came about from the very beginning. You know, Personally, I love talking about adoption. I have a passion for it. So Erin, I wanna begin by asking you, if you would, to just share a little bit uh, of your own story. How old were you when you learned that you were pregnant? I was 16. Okay, wow. So- Junior in high school. What were the thoughts that ran through your head as a 16 year old when you realized I'm pregnant?
2: Oh crap. <sighs> that's real first one yeah i was scared Hmm. definitely kind of alone so i knew the decision was going to land on me solely
0: yeah
2: and it felt like a critically important decision so i would say mostly scared and this was
0: 1991
2: 92 92 it's actually I found out October 6th, 1992. So in a couple of weeks, it'll be 31 years. Wow. Wow. Okay. And what were the people around you saying to you? What advice were you getting? I got, actually, I got lots of advice, but never on adoption. Okay. At the time it wasn't, there wasn't like shows on TV about adoption and pregnancy and teen moms. It just wasn't a thing. And it definitely wasn't talked about a lot. So adoption actually wasn't, suggested to me, but abortion and um, parenting was. And I knew at the time I was going to make my own decision. I'm like that kind of person pretty much. So although I respect everybody's opinions, I knew I was going to do what I was going to do. And I decided at the end of October on adoption, I hadn't told anybody. And it was honestly through prayer and putting myself in each scenario and thinking through what each would look like. And adoption just made sense. My my life was in chaos. I was 16 and acted 12. It just made sense for me at the time. And I had my older brother kind of give me some confirming words. And after he told me, I was like, I think I'm supposed to do adoption. He was like, then do adoption. And I was like, green light gonna do it. So I told my family and everybody was on board. Wow. That's amazing.
0: And Jeannie for you, what was your process of opening for you and your husband, of opening your hearts up to say, we want to adopt a baby Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. we're going to take that leap and start on that journey of just considering it, of getting the ball rolling. What led to that? Yeah. So in
3: 1992, I had been having trouble conceiving and so started with infertility treatments and got pregnant and was very excited. But then a few months later, I miscarried. And after that, I thought, you know, I really don't wanna go through this all over again. I don't wanna go through the treatments. I, it, was, it was just tearing me apart emotionally. And adoption had always been something we always wanted to do. We, we were thinking more internationally, but we were open to whatever God had for us. And so my desire was just to be a mom and my husband's desire to be a dad. So it didn't matter to us, you know, where the child came from. We just wanted to be parents and to love a child. And so we started praying that God would just open those doors up. We didn't have much money. My husband just got out of law school. So we didn't know financially how we would be able to do it. But then a year later we heard from Aaron.
0: And how did you hear from Erin? What did that look like? How were you all connected? <laughs> That's a funny
2: story. It is, it is. I, I'll you. tell you my first half. Yeah, yeah. So in high school in Georgia, you went to Georgia. We had the same homeroom teacher all four years. And I, my homeroom teacher, her name is Karen, approached me. I had picked up my transcripts at the school and she approached me after school and said, I heard you're thinking about adoption. just wanted you to know my sister is looking into adoption would you be willing to talk to her and I was like yeah because by this time it was March I think okay and he was born in May so I hadn't picked yet and I was very very picky about how I did that so of course I guess I don't know what she said to Jeannie but that's that's Like how I was introduced to Jeannie the first time.
0: Yeah. Well, Jeannie, let me hear your side of the story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. We were actually set to
3: go to a meeting of an adoption agency that day before we even heard from Erin. We had been told about her, but we hadn't heard anything from her. So we thought, oh, she's probably found somebody else. And we kind of decided to move on. And we were all set to go to this meeting and we got the call from Erin. And we were like, oh my goodness, we couldn't believe it. And so after she, you know, talked to us and asked us some questions about her (laughs) desire for her uh, baby's parents, we got off the phone and we thought, well, you know, if this is meant to be, then she'll feel good about us. And so we just waited.
0: (laughs) And then Erin, how long did it take before you realized, yes, these are the people that I want to raise my son?
2: So I had made up a bunch of questions, like handwritten. It was like four pages. I'm not kidding. And it was like a 16-year-old would ask dumb questions. I asked, like, what's your favorite animal? Like it was, I mean, and I'd still probably ask that, honestly. But the first question, another cool thing, this is before we had like any kind of cordless phones. So one of them, when I called them, the first time I called them, they were both on the phone in different rooms, like hooked to the wall. So I could hear both of them it was really cool it was like i could hear both of them and i could talk to both of them at the same time but the first question on the list was what are your beliefs in god and scott started talking and immediately i'm gonna i'm gonna cry actually sharing this immediately like he's still talking and i put the phone down and like there's still probably 80 questions left so this is question one i put the phone down and i look at my mom and i'm crying i'm like this is them this is them and she's like no ask more questions like this is them (laughs) because of how he answered about his heart toward the Lord and then Jeannie, her heart toward the Lord, 100%. So to answer your question, um, question number one, immediately, right. When I talk to them on the phone. (laughs) Wow.
0: That is so powerful. Talk Mm -hmm. a little bit, Jeannie, just about the first time Aaron has, has just given birth. It's exciting. Mm -hmm. What is that first time like that you lay Mm -hmm. eyes on Jordan for the first Mm -hmm. time?
3: Well, Erin gave me the privilege of being there for the birth. And she called me when she was going into labor. And I was in Florida, they were in Georgia. So my husband's like, okay, you gotta get on a plane and get there. So I got on a plane right away. I mean, <laughs> I, I was praying my heart out that I'd make it there in time and got into the delivery room right at the perfect moment. And she delivered a few minutes later and, uh, she said, hand him to his mommy. And that Mm. was the most unbelievable moment (laughs) I think of my life. Um, So selfless on her part. And it it meant so much to me. And, um, you know, just seeing Jordan and how perfect he was and knowing that this was a gift I was being given that
0: I, I just, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Jordan, I want to pull you into this conversation now. (laughs) You've been waiting very patiently. (laughs) I love listening. Growing up, did did you know that you had been adopted? What what was that like for you as a little kid?
1: Yeah, I love that question. I've I've always said the greatest act of love that I've experienced in my life has been being put up for adoption, and the second greatest act of love is to have always known that I was adopted. So, I can't remember a time that the word adoption was like introduced to me. It was always something in the household. It was something that I was, I understood I, I had association with that word somehow. And then the definition of that word obviously grew as I got older. Mm-hmm. And so I came to understand the depth of what it means and everything. But even as I think what that allowed for, so basically I always knew mm-hmm. is what I can remember. It feels like I was hearing those conversations in the womb and then I was just born and like, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, like, as I, as I grew older, I think what I came to realize was having always known, uh, because we actually, I got to grow up around some other kids who were also adopted, mm, and awesome. there were moments I remember in my childhood where they found out, you know, and it's like the word found out, and it's not, um, and I'm not talking down, I have no judgment for mm-hmm. how people carry themselves in that environment. I've never been there, and I'm sure it's really difficult, but what it felt like to me was that my parents had given up control. And that they had really like allowed in the same way they talk about like, if this is if Aaron feels a connection to us, then it will be it's like that same heart of theirs as parents was clear to me in always knowing that I was adopted because it just allowed me to grow into the word and understand what it meant. And what was beautiful about that in my life was that I always knew I was with my family and there was no question of there was no concern about that word having any impact on the nature of my being present with my family I grew up knowing that that word had to do with me and I also knew my parents loved me yeah and so I guess there was grace in that I guess is what I'm trying to say because I always grew up knowing that that those words aren't in conflict I guess yeah
0: yeah Um, that's beautiful how old were you when you sort of started thinking or asking like hey I I might like to meet Aaron
1: there's kind of two answers to that one I always wanted to (laughs) and I, I mean, like, I mean, I've, I've told people before, usually when I get to tell this side of the story, like I say, I got the golden ticket because I got to grow up with photos Mm. of my birth parents. And so I had like faces that I could put to names and like, and that just gave such a sense of connection, which Mm. I'm so grateful for. Mm. I always knew I wanted to meet her. I also knew that that wasn't going to happen before I was like 18. Mm -hmm. And so... That was tentatively like when I was gonna always plan on meeting her was 18 and I was probably you know like I I can't give you an exact age but I mean in my conscious mind maybe five or six or something when I was really like able to (laughs) communicate that I'd like to meet her someday or something and honestly like you know mommy might have a better answer for that if I ever (laughs) brought that up but you know I knew I always wanted to. And actually, Aaron knows the story. Like, I always envisioned myself pulling up in a Corvette <laughs> with, like, a suit <laughs> and, like, a fedora.
3: And the thing the
1: thing we joke about is for some reason in this, this imagination of mine, I had, like, a briefcase. <laughs> and it made so much sense to me as a kid. But the idea of showing up with a briefcase so- <laughs> to meet her is, like, I don't know what would have been in the briefcase or, like, anyway. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. I've always wanted to meet her. When the time came, it involved facing a lot of fear yeah. and there was a lot of a lot of things I didn't anticipate when it was like wow that's a real life option right now so and that's a whole nother conversation but yeah I've, I've always wanted to meet her
0: yeah well mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about that because I'm assuming that you you didn't go with the suit and the briefcase for the
1: first <laughs> meeting so what what did that look like yeah Jordan yeah. share
0: a little bit about that and then Aaron would also just love yeah. to have your perspective on that
1: so I was living in Nashville at the time And, and this girl I was dating, I think recognized in the course of our dating, there had been multiple times where, and I was 23, 22 or 23, and I had been wanting to. So there was multiple times in the course of us dating where I would sit down and start trying to type a letter Mm. to reach out for the first time and make connection. Because although we hadn't ever really communicated in conversation, I knew that door was always open. I had received a letter from Aaron when I was 17 which she had written to me sort of in reflection of, hey, it was actually written to me for my 16th birthday. It arrived when I was 17, but she had written it to me like, hey, you know, I was your age when I had you. And so there had been communication in that way, but I hadn't really ever responded or or reached out at all. So this was something that the person I was dating at the time had noticed. And she also noticed that I wasn't completing the letter. And so she told me, I think you just need to take a Saturday and do it. And I really appreciate that because that, that was a big step. So <laughs> yeah. very emotional weekend. And I wrote an email and, and said, oh, of course, it was like really heartfelt and open <laughs> and all that stuff. And I, I sent it to the email that I had for her saying I'd love to meet. And then I a few days later, I think I got a call from mom. She's like, hey, Aaron, got your email. She loved it. She said you wanted to meet, but gave no way of contacting you to figure <laughs> out. <laughs> how to meet be... <laughs> this is a very me yeah. thing to do it was and like so, <laughs> yeah so yeah so so I, I had originally sent her an email when i was 23 living in nashville and just expressing a, a desire to meet and we had some email communications we talked about some of our favorite music and mm. among other things and it was amazing to hear in her emails the same voice i had heard in the letter at 17. Oh. Wow. Just like in her words mm-hmm. and in what she's observing and her way of talking, yeah. it was like, it was, you know, the humanity of it was like, holy cow, it's a real person. Yeah. Um,
0: so yeah. It was cool. So Erin, what was that like for you? Okay, we've we've sent emails, we've communicated, you've obviously been in touch with Jeannie, but
2: now we're actually meeting face to face. I was excited. I was so excited to get the letter. It was amazing. He's an amazing writer. So it was a really cool letter to read. And it's first time I'd heard him. So that was really neat. I was very excited. I always knew I was going to meet him. I never doubted that mm-hmm. the way that it happened in the delivery room and after all of that, like it was constant. I, I, I knew I would know him. I knew it. And I knew that honestly, because Scott and Jeannie just embraced and and honored me so well. so. I would say probably heading into our first meeting, which side note we met at Aunt Karen's house in Kennesaw, so my homeroom teacher's <laughs> house.
1: Oh wow! And Scott and Jeannie were there. Circle. Yeah, full circle. Yeah, it's so cool. <laughs>
2: so cool. I think probably like Jordan, I was like, oh, I'm gonna disappoint him because his parents like made me like Saint Aaron and ain't Saint Aaron. Not happening. So I think more it was just kind of like, I don't know, he might not like me, <laughs> but. That's not at all what happened, but I think it's kind of just, you have an idea of what it's going to be like. And so going in, you're kind of nervous that you're going to disappoint, but the beauty of, of the relationships that we've all made together is we've seen our, ourselves at any, every stage and love so much. And that was from the first moment I met Scott and Jeannie first time I looked at, at Jordan and then when we met. It was really cool for full circle. Cause after mm-hmm. he was born, I had mm-hmm. 24 hours with him before mm-hmm. Scott and Jeannie got him. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big, I love looking at eyes. Like I'm an eye person, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I just love to look in the eyes. It says a lot to me, but we couldn't get his eyes open. Like we tried almost borderline should be called by defects. Like it was like tr- <laughs> trying to get his eyes and they wouldn't open. And so I had to ask my mom mm-hmm. to let me have the last hour with him alone. And so. My mom left and right when the door cl- literally sl- closed, his eyes popped open wow. and they stayed mm-hmm. open the entire hour. So oh, it was wow. the one thing that I got that nobody else in my, like in Georgia got to see his eyes. That was like my personal gift from the Lord. And so in that moment, I remember like I was holding him, but, I'm 16, so keep that in mind. I'm holding him, like looking mm-hmm. out the window. I'm like, look, this is Kennesaw. This is Stone Mountain. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> he couldn't see anything, obviously, but. I remember praying over him and the Lord was like, you're gonna know him, you're gonna know him by his eyes. And I was like, okay, which leads us to our first meeting. And I walked, I didn't know what was, I was just kind of walking up to the house, nervous, but really excited. And come around the corner and Jordan's sitting on the steps like with his hands like this, crying, bawling, like hadn't even looked up yet. (laughs) Well,
1: no, I was bawling. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> he was crying. So this is my first time even like seeing him like that. And I, I mean, yeah. my response was, why are you crying? Like Aww. just a huge smile. And so he gets mm. up and hugs me and they have a recording of it, which is awesome. Yeah, it was, just, that's my take of the first moment we met.
0: Wow, wow. Mm-hmm. Jeannie, what was that like for you to watch Aaron mm. and Jordan mm. meet for the first time and begin to form this this bond, this relationship together? Mm.
3: I was so thrilled. I mean, I knew from, you know, a mother's heart, I mean, how Aaron w- couldn't wait to meet Jordan. And I, I really, I wanted that for her. And, and I also knew it was, it was going to be huge for Jordan. And I, I just knew, no, know, knowing and loving both of them that this would be a really wonderful experience. So I I was thrilled and it was extremely emotional (laughs) for Mm -hmm. everybody involved but so so cool that you know 23 years later here we were again after being in that hospital room and you know now so much you know so much to share with one another of how the lord had grown all of us Mm -hmm. you know through our lives it it was amazing
0: so it's been Mm -hmm. eight years since that first meeting is that right
1: just about, Just about, I think closer to seven, yeah, okay, almost seven. eight, okay. yeah, something around there.
0: So what what has that looked like moving forward the the dynamic for for all three of you? I'll let any of you jump in who who want to answer that.
1: I can jump in here. Yeah, I think. Go for
2: it.
1: So I relate to when we first met. There's definitely like there was kind of a mutual. That's why the suitcase and the Corvette was part of my. <laughs> I think intention in how I showed up there is, you know, I just wanted to cover all my bases and have it all together and and I I still don't have it all together, which is really something. But that was definitely the vulnerability of sitting on those steps was was feeling so aware of how far from that image of myself I was. <laughs> you know, I remember the moments before we met, you know, like being asked you know so where do you you want to sit here in the kitchen or whatever and every one of those questions was like electric to me i couldn't Mm -hmm. figure out what to do hence the walking outside and sitting on the steps (laughs) but i'm grateful to have done that because i got to work through some of that Mm -hmm. and in the process of spending time in georgia and being able to meet others on the biological family side like it's it's been a continued learning experience i think for all of us in our own way but for me a lot of that has actually just been a continuation of that being enough that's been a wonderful learning curve and like and i'm i'm blessed to be able to learn that in the presence of the people that i'm learning that with cuz they're all very mm-hmm. gracious with me and loving towards me and like and so like i get to kind of let go and mm-hmm. and just be with the people that i'm with and it's been that's been a challenge for me you know honestly it's been it's been hard so for me it's like It's almost like a lot of the interactions, when I show up, I have to, sometimes even now, honestly, after, you know, seven or eight years, I have to remember, like, I'm not just meeting them and they know me and they're still here and like, they, they love me, you know, and they've shown that in, in many different ways. You know, everyone in my life has done such an amazing job of showing that, that it's truly humbling, but just remembering that I think has been my process. And I feel like that's been a lesson that gets to run deeper and deeper the more time we get to spend together, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. Erin, you know, I think so many people hear your story, they hear the story of, of your family, this adoption story, and there's such tremendous, tremendous beauty. And there's also just an awareness of, whew, this is weighty and, it, and it's hard. And, you know, for, for young women who are maybe facing an unplanned pregnancy, what would be your encouragement to them to choose adoption, knowing that every choice in front of them is no matter what you choose, it's a hard choice. But why for you, did you ultimately make that choice of yes, I want to choose adoption? And why why would that be something that you would want to encourage other young
2: women to do? It's a great question. I have to answer this question every day at where I work. So. Uh, The first thing that I say to the clients that I see now and that are in there.
0: Sorry, before you get going too far, if you would just share a tiny bit as well about where you work, Mm because I want to talk about that as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so relevant to this question.
2: Okay. So I'm a high school teacher by trade, but got injured and didn't go back into the classroom. And several years into Jordan being up here and around getting to know, he encouraged me. He's like, maybe you should go back to the place that you went when I was you know, inside you. Cause I had found it's called the hope center and it's a, it was called a crisis pregnancy center at the time, but they changed it because it's just a pregnancy resource center for anybody at this point point. Yeah. and started volunteering after he encouraged me to give back, and then discover they have a a RV that goes into Atlanta, into the most underserved areas of Atlanta. And so me and my sonographer, Tori, go down and take a big old RV and give free pregnancy tests and ultrasounds to women that are just like me. We had a Mm 15-year-old last week, Mm -hmm. 38-year-old. So Mm -hmm. the first thing I tell them is, you have to make the decision you can live with the rest of your life and it has to be your decision and you have to get at peace with it. And you have to give your tel- like, si- self time and space to think through it because they, they come in like I did just scared and what do I do? What do I do? But to, t- to take a pause and get still and really, really think through the three decisions they have and what the outcome is in each decision.
3: Yeah.
2: I, I always share my adoption story anytime I can. And I do it often on the RV and at the Hope Center. So that's the the biggest piece of advice, as far as deciding adoption is a hard thing for people to wrap their heads around. And a lot of times in Atlanta specifically, the women are like, I'm not going to carry a baby for nine months and then not raise it. You know, like it's not, I'm not going to do that. Um, I've had one client do adoption. It's not super common. Honestly, I was the first person at the Hope Center to actually do adoption. They'd only been open nine months. So okay. if you think back 32 years ago, when I was there, it was open nine months and I was the first client for adoption. But I do, I do definitely stand. And the reason that I'm at the Hope Center now with the, on the RV is what was most important to me during that time was after he had gone to be with his parents. They helped me with the grief and like walking through what that looked like. And that was critical for me. So I encourage obviously encourage adoption, but I mostly encourage the women to get at peace with what they feel like God's calling them to do. I pray with them. I pretty much pray with every client. Nobody ever says no. So (laughs) that's always, it's always, it always works out really well. And it's, there's so many cool things that have happened since I've been at the Hope Center on the RV in Atlanta. There's so many stories. So it is full circle, full circle, full circle. And last year, Jordan, is actually the person that did all of our banquet videos like he's the he was the videographer. Oh, that's awesome. It's just mind-blowing. Like <laughs> it was it was awesome. That's it still so is cool. awesome. Wow. So, yeah, I would I would encourage them to make the decision they can live with and get at peace with and we have any resource you would ever need and we really do. So, just encouraging them to trust their their gut, trust their heart.
0: Yeah. Yeah, And Jeannie, for you, coming at it from a a different angle, I mean, as as an adoptive mom who received the Mm -hmm. blessing of Mm -hmm. Aaron deciding, Mm -hmm. yes, I'm going to make this really selfless Mm -hmm. choice, Mm -hmm. what would you say to those women, those moms who are, Mm. are facing that choice? Well,
3: that every life is precious and you never know what that person, how God will use that person in this world and how important important that person. I mean, I I just think if, you know, if, if Aaron made a different decision, we would never have the blessing of our son in our lives. And he has, he has taught us so much. I mean, and he has impacted us so much. And I just, I, it just breaks my heart to think that, you know, there are babies out there who aren't given that opportunity to live in this world, you know, so. I am just—I I just, you know, encourage anybody to just realize that each life is is important. Yeah, each
0: Jordan, life. I want to yeah. give you the final word here. Is there anything that that you want to share about your story, or just that you want kind of people to know, as it relates to this topic of of adoption, that you think is just really important to note before we go today?
1: I mean, I guess I would second everything that's been said up until this point. Being a guy, I don't have even the prospect of having to make the decision that was made on my behalf but I am grateful and I'll never forget a moment in Nashville where I was sharing this story and I was I do a little verbal processing if you haven't noticed that already but (laughs) I was sharing this story with a close friend of mine at college and I arrived at this idea of like had the decision not been to adopt but to abort me there wouldn't be like a gap where I was missing it's not like you know the world keeps spinning and all of that and so just with consideration to me I'm grateful to have filled the spaces that I have
2: yeah
1: and mm. it's been mm. it's been a continuing thought for me since that conversation back then mm. it's just kind of the mystery of like um, yeah being a known soul mm. that's a special thing and and so I guess i would just take it back to what i said at first is i think the greatest act of love i've experienced in my life is being put up for adoption and the second is to have always known it and all of that really does speak to family because there was defense of of my being loved and being put up for adoption and there was defense of my feeling loved and being allowed to know i was adopted and and i mean even just this conversation is a celebration of how we see those doors open yeah. in the future so
0: yeah well thank you Jordan and Aaron and Jeannie thank you all for your time for being willing to share such a beautiful such a personal story and I do really want to encourage all of our listeners check out the work of the Hope Center down in Georgia it's support.com is the website we'll leave a link in today's show notes but they're doing such good work and Aaron I know as as you spoke firsthand to that your involvement with them but truly thank you all so much for your time today
2: Thank you for having us. Thank you. Nice to see you you. so much.
0: (laughs) And with that, that's going to do it for today's edition of the Daily Signal podcast. If you want to learn more about the work of the Hope Center, you can check out their website at supporthopecenter.com and learn about the work that they are doing to support families in need and support moms who are facing unplanned pregnancies if you haven't had a chance make sure to take a moment to check out our evening show right here in this podcast feed for every weekday we keep you up to date with the news of the day now on this particular monday we do not have a top news edition given the holiday but we will be back with top news tomorrow Also, make sure you subscribe to The Daily Signal wherever you get your podcasts and help us reach more listeners by leaving a five-star rating and review. Thanks again for being with us this Monday. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you right back here tomorrow morning.
1: The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation.